The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. In the next hour, you'll hear from some phenomenal people and healthcare leaders and learn how their challenges became opportunities. Our goal is to show you how you can positively influence your own life experience and purpose and achieve success. And now, here is your host, Danielle Delaney. Hi, this is The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney, and this is your host, Danielle Delaney. Welcome to the show, and today... I have a special guest. My guest is Angelica Bridges. Angelica is an actress and a singer and a television host and a pastry chef and a philanthropist. She is just multifaceted. Uh, the expression fiery redhead is more than perfect as an analogy to describe Angelica. Angelica hails from a small town in Missouri, population of only 150 people, grew up on a ranch, and is best known for her role on the international television series Baywatch. So, Angelica, I have a lot to talk to you about today. Welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. And, you know, it's so interesting to me also that when, I mean, we've been friends for years. So in the interest of complete transparency, I've known Angelica for almost 15 years, 14 years, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like this was the number one television series in the world at the time, Baywatch. And it's having a resurgence because you also did the Baywatch reunion movie. But then there's also going to be uh, the, the, the new Baywatch, which is coming out, the movie, I guess. And I thought, yeah. I've got to talk to Angelica about this because body image is a huge thing that I want to talk about. You have daughters. I work in counseling psychotherapy. And I just feel like... You know, counseling psychology and body image and women, it's all so intertwined. I work with people from 17 and up. So I have people that are 17 to 70. I work with everything from trauma and rape and domestic violence and just um, body image issues and life transitions, life stage transitions, divorce, everything, all the way to um, retirement issues and addiction and recovery. So talking to someone like you is really very helpful, and I thought that my listeners could really benefit from just hearing more about you. I want to tell you a little more about Angelica before I get into into what I have to ask you. Um, Angelica was also on the Hannity Show, Issues with Jane Velez Mitchell. Um, In 2009 and 2010, you were the headlining singer and performer in her own show on the Las Vegas Strip at the Luxor Hotel and Casino. And she was also voted one of the 50 sexiest women in the world by Maxim Magazine and the Hot 100 Women in the World by FHM and one of the top 50 most beautiful women in the world by Esquire Magazine. And there is so much more to you than your looks. So for me, it's always interesting when I read things like this because it's not like it's lost on me that you're gorgeous, but I know so much more about you. So I just I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about what that's like. When, how old were you? when you realized the power in physical beauty, what was the first time you were actually aware of it? That is a really good question. Um, Yeah. 
because that's not something I've ever really thought about. But I think looking back, it would probably have to be five or six years old. Wow. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, you know, just being in dance recitals and having to try on the costumes for performing in, in, in the upcoming dance recital. I was probably mm-hmm. six years old. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, I was always so thin that growing up, I always wanted to gain weight. So it was actually the opposite when I was mm. younger. And so I always thought, oh, I'm too skinny and I look terrible in this costume. Oh. I want to fill it out more. And, you know, it was, it was actually the opposite of, of, of you know, worrying about uh, weight. It was mm-hmm. actually wanting to put on weight. And, you know, my mother even took, my sister and I were both very, very thin, where she'd take us to the doctor and say, there's something wrong with my daughters. They cannot gain weight. And then she would give us these these, um, teaspoonfuls of cod liver oil that I guess in the the, back then in the day, at least Mm -hmm. in the Midwest where I grew up, it was supposed to induce appetite. So she would give this this awful, I would have to plug my nose, and it was supposed to help me eat more. Unbelievable. <laughs> so you, was it, you really didn't eat enough? You were underweight to... because of not eating enough, or was it just your natural body type? It was just my natural body type. You know, I could eat I could eat so much and never gain weight. It was our metabolism. You know, definitely it was a metabolism thing at the time, which is definitely not an issue now. <laughs> right, right. It changes. These things change. But it's it's such an interesting thing to talk to you about because you were a Miss Missouri teen and Mm -hmm. California Young Miss of America, and you started doing radio at 7, TV commercials at 9. At 12, you were signed with NBC, doing a nationwide talent search. You were in Teen Magazine at 14. I mean, Mm -hmm. it really, it boggles the mind when I think about it because I was a former model, and I am a former model and actress in my previous incarnation in my life, and I did it from (laughs) maybe 17 to 37, and I've been out of that business for about 10 years. And I still do voiceover work, and I know you do too. I might have you do a monkey or something for us in a little while. But, um, but, but it's just one of those things. I mean, I was, I was a teenager. I was 17, so I was in my late teens. And eating issues and all of that played into my life in a big way, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I just can't even imagine that being that aware of it at age five. That's, that's an interesting answer. Did your, did, were your parents ever worried yeah. about it when you were getting into modeling and all of that? Was there any concern no, I mean, I think after a while, they just saw both my sister and I were just naturally thin, and, you know, there was not, we were eating, you know, it was not like we were not eating when we would sit at the table, we were eating, and it just wasn't sticking. So, you know, I think that's the only thing that you ever, ever should, like, raise a red flag, is if your child is not eating, or they don't have an appetite, then that's mm-hmm. a whole other story. It's like, okay, they need to eat or, you know, or they're not eating because they're trying to get skinny. You know, that's, that's the red flag. But when we're just eating healthily and eating everything and not, you know, yes, I was picky, but still we were eating. It's, they figured it out eventually. And then I just kind of got used to it as well. And mm-hmm. I never really worried about a weight thing. Um, I always wanted to be a little thicker, yes. I thought I was always skinny all through high school. I mm-hmm. wanted to eat way more. I know it sounds crazy. Um, but then No, I mean, I... we have such issues at that age anyway. At that age, there's so many issues. <laughs> I know. I was a late bloomer, you know. So when I did move to L.A. and um, 
I started UCLA for communications, it was like the freshman 15 came and I've never been able to, ha- I never was able to have that weight on me. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. And I just kind of took it to a whole other level mm-hmm. where I was, you know, drinking milkshakes every day and pizza. And um, at that time I was like, okay, I've gained the 15 pounds I always wanted, but then it just kept going and going and going. Right. And it doesn't always go the right places. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Right. So that is the first time in my life at probably 19 is when I actually tried to watch my weight the first time in my life. You okay. Know, like, when you okay, became aware this of it. be a problem. I need, you know, I'm going on tour to China. I'm, I'm performing, uh, you know, overseas for three or four months. I need to fit in these costumes. I kind of went overboard, you know, I and bet. it was really interesting because it's, it's never like it's either underweight or overweight. It's like hard to stay in, in that zone. And I eventually I mastered it. But let me tell you, it took me a few years to just master that. And, and what it really boils down to, um, and we can get into like details, obviously, if you want, but mm-hmm. it's, it's about this healthy lifestyle and, and, you know, being conscious of it every single day, unfortunately, being yeah. aware of everything you eat and what you're putting in your body and I never deprive myself I will you know today I had six donuts and you know I have <laughs> today and then tomorrow I'll probably have like a salad and and soup so it's just it's just about so it's kind of going salad. with the flow of what you want but not knowing that if you went overboard one day kind of balancing it out so it's finding a balance exactly and I think it's yep. fascinating to me that um, you went to UCLA and majored in communications then you signed well, a contractor I I, I was only, I said I didn't make, well, I was, I was going to major in communications, but after being there for 10 months, I ended up getting a contract right. uh, to perform in China. Yeah, so China, then I was Hong off Kong, to Japan. To, you were yeah. on stages <laughs> in these huge concert venues for up to 200, for like 20,000 20, people a night. A night. <laughs> and that yes. is so young to be doing that. And then right. you end up discovered by John Casablancas, which is elite, which if people don't yeah. know, that's one of the top modeling, top international modeling agencies in the world. It just is so much pressure doing Maybelline spots, doing Doritos, doing Bally's Fitness, doing commercials and doing all these huge things and doing these shoots with you were on the cover of Australian Vogue and Spain and Spain Spanish Vogue and Glamour and all of this it's just when I look at that and knowing the person that you are sometimes it's hard for me to reconcile so I have questions about that because (laughs) I think of you as such a well-rounded person and I know that that's because I've known you for years and years I have known you to have your children Mm -hmm. I've known you through so many things in both of our lives that when I look at that like as a biography it, it blows my mind because you are very down to earth and you're beautiful inside and out, which I'm not just blowing smoke. It really is the truth or wouldn't be one of my best friends if it weren't the case. And I know a Aww. lot of beautiful, well, it's true. And I know a lot of really beautiful people, beautiful people. We're in Los Angeles. People are stunning. And we've been in the modeling and acting industry before. So they're stunning. But the thing is, not a lot of them have substance and not a lot of them, not that most of them don't. There are many who do, but I have right. an awful lot. I don't have a whole, I don't keep a close circle of girlfriends. You know how I am. It's business, business, business. And then it's, you know, I see a friend when I can really fit it in. And it's people I've known 13 or 14 years. That's it. Or 20 years or 30 years. I don't make new friends like that. And it's a lot of very beautiful people don't have talent. And it's great, but beauty itself is not a talent. And it's, it's just amazing <laughs> that you have both gifts of the beauty and the talent. But I think that's got to be an interesting thing 
for you to reconcile. So with knowing all the talents that I know you possess, I've watched you perform. I know for a fact that you're a triple threat. I know you're very funny. <laughs> I know you're very funny because we have a ridiculous time. We just laugh a lot. And, and, um, and I know that you're also extremely sharp and intelligent. So I want to know how you feel about looks and appearance overshadowing talent sometimes. And I'll give you an example. Like Sarah Fawcett, I always thought she was stunning. She was, of course, the opposite of, of what I was to look up to as a kid. Right. So I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna win that battle. And um, and uh, it was the American ideal, which can be really tough. You know what the American standard of beauty is for people who don't mm-hmm. fit that. And I'm glad it's somewhat changed now. But back then, I think back to Farrah Fawcett, and she was always a good actress. And now she's gone, mm-hmm. but she didn't get to prove her acting chops until Extremities and The Burning mm-hmm. Bed. And the it was like, bed, it yep. was a, right? And remember what a big deal it was that people were like, oh, she can actually act. Why would they assume she would? She couldn't. They just assumed she couldn't. And it was a big deal for Halle Berry to win an Oscar. Yes, it's a big deal. And yes, it's a huge honor. But just because she's beautiful, I felt like, what's the big shocker here? Couldn't she be talented too? And I want to know what your feeling is on that. I mean, Marilyn Monroe, Lucille Ball, there's all these other people that are fantastic and funny and talented, but people are focused on the one thing. They just kind of hone in on Mm -hmm. that. What's your experience with that? Yeah, well, I think culturally, uh, just, the fact that when people see someone that is aesthetically beautiful, what they would consider beautiful or extraordinary or sexy or or pretty, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, um, it's interesting that you just really get kind of put in a bubble that, oh, that's what you are, that's what you do, that's your thing in life, you're just, you're a beautiful person. And it's, it's interesting that most people don't see People that may have uh, extraordinary looks can't be talented, can't be rocket scientists, can't have degrees, can't run companies, can't be, you know, uh, extraordinary, win a Pulitzer Prize or or win extraordinary honors in in the world because uh, of the way they look. And I just find that unbelievable because Mm -hmm. for me, I don't even think about my looks. And and for one thing, I'm very glad, I guess, that my parents never told me I was beautiful. They really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, they never. And my mom always said, because I didn't want you to grow up with a big head. And I would, the other parents go, oh, darling, you're so pretty in like pageants and little mm-hmm. kids doing their recitals and all this stuff. And, and the kids, you know, went to their head. She said she could tell a difference in how they treated other children. And, and so she said she never wanted me to be that way. So she made a point, which I'm not actually saying I agree with, because mm-hmm. I myself tell my daughter almost every day how beautiful she is because I want her to have um, confidence. Mm-hmm. And I didn't grow up with a lot of confidence. And I think a lot of that came from not thinking I was beautiful or not thinking I was pretty. And so I would work extra hard to to make good grades and to make the mm-hmm. honor roll and the principal's honor roll and to be, you know, to letter, inquire, and yearbook and journalism, all these things. I was an overachiever. I mean, beyond, beyond. And, you, you know, you, you were. Could, People think, oh, well, if you have good looks, you don't have to try that hard in school. You're just going to make cheerleading team, you know, without any effort. And now that's probably true in most people's cases. But for me, 
you know, just never thinking I was pretty or, or having that as, as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked my butt off, uh, you know, since I was a young child. I would enroll myself in dance classes and say, oh, by the way, Mom and Dad, I'm in dance class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I have the ton on Saturdays. I would give them the whole list. And I'm in this pageant. <laughs> I need this dress. And they'd be like, uh, okay, you know, and just support me and back whatever I did. But, you know, my parents were not showbiz parents at all. They never pushed me into anything. It was just innate inside me to go for it and to go for everything. So, um, and, and they supported that. But the whole point is, is that I never relied on looks because I never thought I had looks. I still don't consider myself, uh, extraordinary in any sense. I think there's so many beautiful people in the world, and especially in LA, um, more beautiful than I can and will be or ever have been. Mm-hmm. But I do know one thing: I do know that I have an amazing personality, <laughs> and that I will I will take to the bank. I will not say, "Oh, I'm the most beautiful," or "I think I'm sexy," or "Yeah, I'm very extraordinarily pretty." I'll never say that because I don't think it. But I will say. Not many people can beat my personality. No, you've so, got personality so this, plus. You've got personality no, I'm not plus. Trying, I don't even want you to say that's true. You do. My point is that I will take that all the way to the bank. And that, I think that's kind of cool because now when I look at it, I see why I never relied on my looks, that I've just hustled and hustled and hustled. You know, I've strived in every thing I've ever tried to take on. Because of the fact I've never used my looks, never thought my looks were uh, important, and I think that's the big difference right there. I if you have someone growing up and, and they're, they're told how gorgeous and how beautiful and things were just given to them, there's a crutch there. And, and yeah. that could definitely impede a, a girl or a boy's uh, willingness to really strive and to get their hands dirty and get their you know, heart and soul into something and get, get, you know, dirty with, with just their project because my mom says, I'm so beautiful and I am. And, yeah. you know, I think it's a really, it's, it's, it's a fine line, but how, what we teach our children at a young age is so important. It's so important. It's going to affect their weight later. It's going to affect their, their insecurities, their securities, their confidence. It's, so many things that everything fall in about line. them everything about them and Brenda your mom shout out to Brenda hello Brenda I know she's going to listen <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, yes. it's one of those things I had a great mother too Myra's a great mom and she did the exact same thing if anyone said your daughter's so pretty it was sort of oh well pretty as as pretty does like in Forrest Gump or she would immediately mm-hmm. you know talk about something I'd done in school that I'd won a poetry contest in fifth grade or that I was doing this that I was doing that and I find that it's it's tough because at my age I'm older than you are but I'm in my late 40s now, and I find that mm-hmm. there are women that I am, you know, neck and neck with professionally that mm-hmm. some are beautiful, some are not. It doesn't matter anymore, which I find to be a huge relief that my job mm-hmm. is not to be cute, but I also think that it's amazing that there are so many people that I knew that were discovered at 11 or discovered at 14 or with Ford mm-hmm. or with Elite, all these places, and they majored in being beautiful, and that is not a skill. It's, it's a lovely right. thing to have, but it isn't something that you can literally take to the bank forever. So no, then it becomes about no. husbands or it becomes about, you know, their friends being beautiful or this or that. And my friends are teachers and therapists and hairdressers and everything under the sun. And I really only have 
you and maybe another actress or two in my life that I'm really close to. And it's not because I don't respect their work. I know that it's, some people are very talented and I respect their work. But as far as the, mat, the models, it really did get to a point where I felt like it was the ceiling, where they thought that was enough. And its beauty is wonderful mm-hmm. in, in and of itself, but it's not enough. And the men I know that I am close to as friends or that are patients of mine or that are colleagues of mine, I know that after a certain age, they've kind of had it with it because if they are dating people that are very young and beautiful, sometimes it's because they want them to have a fresh perspective and opinion and kind of follow whatever they want. And it's just, um, I think that there's a lot to be said for for your mom not focusing only on that and for you yourself not focusing only on that. And I, I've never had, you know, contracts with Elite and things like that, but when I was with It Models mm-hmm. and the work I used to do, I remember feeling extremely insecure and making sure, you know, I was at UCLA too, and we were just people who made an effort to do something else. And I always think, oh, I wish someone so had picked a major. They need something else. They, you know, these people, they need more behind them. Not to slam them for counting on their beauty, but beauty doesn't last. It's only skin deep. And exactly. I think it's a really important message for the young women. And I mm-hmm. say for young women because I, am, I don't consider myself a young woman. I don't think 48 is young. And I like to be wise. I like to be seasoned or whatever they want to call it to make it more flattering. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of fun for me to get to release that whole image thing that I can kind of say or do whatever I want. And if people don't think it's pretty or cute, I don't really care. And it's, <laughs> I mean, I was always a little bit like that, as you know, but um, I don't care. And it's fine with me if people think that I have a certain look, that's great, but it's certainly not the Western standard beauty of, of um, standard of American beauty, I should say. And um, right. it's kind of changed, you know, the curves changed mm-hmm. and the, the focus goes to different areas now that I'm like, oh, well, that wasn't like that when I was in that line of work, but it's still the same thing, that it's an ideal, that it's a certain thing that everyone's looking for. And I Mm -hmm. think it's just, it's powerful and it can be damaging. But I just think that with you, one of the questions I always had too, I'm I'm speaking of your mom, of Brenda, you are genetically blessed for sure. That's absolutely for sure. (laughs) But... Believe me, I, sometimes I just think, are you serious? But it's, you really are genetically just beautiful and blessed. But you talk to your daughters about it in a way that, that's about self-acceptance. And I also wanted to ask you, first of all, about how you talk to your daughters about beauty. But also, you, your mother, Brenda, is quite a stunner, and as is mine. And that made me insecure as a teen. I remember people saying, your mother's so beautiful. And oh, she is. But I found it to be a pressure. How did you deal with that? Wow. Well, you know, my mom was really, really, I just remember her blonde, you know, and and we lived in a really small town. Mm -hmm. So everyone knew and they would go, oh, the Marilyn Monroe, your mom looks like Marilyn Monroe, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, what What are you talking about? (laughs) And it would be embarrassing when she would get in her belly dancing costume because she took that uh, for exercise. At, at a local thing every week, yeah. And then she would get in the yard and put on her outfit and practice her as exercise with her outfit on. And I would be like, oh, no, you are not So funny. I've seen that You're, picture of your mom in a belly dancing outfit on the, in the yard. I've seen that. That's hysterical. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's not like, you know, there was not a neighbor for a mile away, but still, I was embarrassed. You know, so now when I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that kind of stuff all the time now. And I embarrass my own daughters. And, <laughs> and of but course, your mother's time, only dancing out, but it was also conservative back then. We look at it and it's totally like um, covered, almost covered from head yeah. to toe, really. 
Yeah, because nowadays it's, oh, are you going to pole dancing class? You know, it's that right. kind of thing. That's the new, the new thing or whatever. But, but at the time I knew she was very beautiful because everyone in town would talk about it and my friends would talk about it and wow, your mom is, you know, but I don't know. I just never, I just knew her as down to earth mom that, you know, multitasker, amazing woman, like, you know, my rock, just, Everything. So I didn't really focus on her looks. I, I knew she was beautiful, but it wasn't a thing we focused on mm-hmm. um, because she didn't focus on that with my sister and I. So therefore, we didn't focus on it with other people either. So that so goes to show really, a lot of it comes yeah. from the parenting, a lot of how we perceive yeah. ourselves. Because my mother made sure I didn't feel that way, you know, that I wasn't I, mm-hmm. I wasn't a snotty little brat. But I thought I, was, I looked yeah. amazing or anything because I didn't, first of all. But when yeah. I started to get that way when I was working on it and having those teen pressures and dressing a certain way and working on the weight issue, which we'll get into later mm-hmm. too, um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is how you talk to your daughters about accepting themselves. And your mother did a great job with that. My mother did a great job with that. But yet in still, I, I still kind of fell into some very eating disordered habits. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a minute because we'll have to go to break in a minute. But okay. I just want to talk with you more and more about this because um, I want to talk to you about how you talk to your girls about this. I want to talk to you about how they feel because they're young and, you know, they're not as young as they used to be. I remember when Valley was mm-hmm. born, but it's just, um, it's just something that as, I, as they grow, I wonder how they feel about that. And I want mm-hmm. listeners to hear how they can sort of talk to their children about looks, whether they have it or, no, or don't have it and whether it's important or not and how to, mm-hmm. um, how to sort of find that balance where, where your kids feel healthy about their body and that mm-hmm. their spirit and soul isn't their body. And I know you're very spiritual. So we'll talk yes. about that a little bit more, too. And it also happens with men. You know, men develop eating disorders, yeah. and men have body image issues. So I think it's definitely something to, to talk about with someone who has such a, such a privilege of knowing what it is to be considered one of the world's most beautiful women. So we're going right. to come back after the break. Um, Angelica, before we go to break, will you give out your website? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's... Um, www.angelicabridgesofficial.com Okay, and that's B-R-I-D-G-E-S um, official.com <laughs> Okay, but uh, we'll be yes. right back. I want to talk to you some more about some of your philanthropic work. I want to talk to you some more about about uh, just sort of role models and how you talk to your kids about beauty and body image. Alright, we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
You are tuned in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. If you'd like to connect with Danielle, feel free to send an email to therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. That's therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And we are back. This is The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. I'm your host, Danielle, and this is Angelica Bridges, my guest on the line. Hello, Angelica. Hello. And as we went to the break, um, we were just talking about uh, sort of stereotypical looks in, in Hollywood, in the industry, but also just the Western American standard of beauty and how people try to attain that and what it does and what it doesn't mean. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. What, what it was for me growing up is I grew up with m- mostly white people around me. And... Mm-hmm. I remember wanting to be having smaller hips, having a different body type. And in black culture, American culture, everything, there's, there's always been more of an emphasis on being a little thicker or curvier is just fine. But mm-hmm. I was really kind of assimilating and a little lost as a teen. And I know it and I recognize it now as I treat people who are going through that and have self-image and body image problems. But it was actually pretty harmful for me to want to have that hair, that look, that body, this, that, and the other thing. And I managed to get all of them. It was fine, but it wasn't easy. (laughs) And I did tend to veer towards some very eating disordered behavior. And I just want to stress Mm -hmm. to listeners out there, if you want to write to me or talk to me about anything like that, you can always look me up in Psychology Today or I'm reachable for through this show. You can call, uh, you can uh, email me at the real deal with Danielle at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram under Danny Delaney, that's D-A-N-I-D-E-L-A-N-E-Y, or on Facebook under Danielle Delaney, or uh, Twitter, I'm it's, uh, at It's Danny Delaney. So um, anybody who wants to talk about this, I'm always very open about pretty much everything, and I think it's an important topic. Um, have you run across a lot of eating disorders in the industry, Angelica, over these many, many years that you've been in it, people that you knew or that you sus- suspected it or anything? I definitely have seen so much of that. Um, You know, myself personally, I never had an eating disorder. And and sad to say at times, I I wish I had one because I was like, oh, I need to drop weight before, you know, this. Right. People um, wish that because they don't realize how damaging. I've got to do a keto campaign. I've got to do this. And, um, you know, how sick to actually go, wow, I wish I had an eating disorder because, first of all, I could never make myself throw up. And secondly, I like food too much to starve myself Mm -hmm. so I could never be bulimic and I could never be anorexic no matter Mm -hmm. how hard I tried. But there were times where I was like, gosh, why can't I just have one like everyone else? Like, that is sad. That's You know, at 21 years old, 22, thinking that is is such a sad reality uh, to wish something like that, you know? And, And that's just kind of where not all the time, but sometimes my head would go thinking I needed to drop weight in, mm. in order to to be prepared for a shoot and just thinking everyone else has an eating disorder and, you know, I don't, but what yeah. can I do to drop this weight? It was just, it's just amazing looking back on that. Um, it's, it's, it's so far from where I am now and the wisdom I have now and, and the, the knowledge I have now about my relationship with food and my body and, and all of those things. But at 2021, 20, being young and inexperienced, this, these are kind of things that went through my mind. I'm just being honest. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was always a challenge. Um, there were times where I was like, oh, I'm too skinny. I need to be thicker. 
for um, one shoot, I remember I'm too skinny. I, I, I need to gain weight. I need to look a little more curvy. And so wow. I went on a food eating binge for like three weeks of eating hamburgers and cheeseburgers and all these things um, so that I'd be more curvy for the shoot. I, I'm not kidding. And then there were times like, oh, I think I am not skinny enough and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, the camera adds 10 pounds. So I need to really, really get thin again. Luckily, I was able to maneuver that and, mm-hmm. and have very good self-control and I could stop and I could get healthy and I could do this or just work out more and do more cardio where I've learned to tailor my weight and my body. But it took a while and it took a lot of, you know, understanding about nutrition and, uh, you know, so many things of failing and, and getting it right, not getting it right and what works and what doesn't and what works and what doesn't work. So trial and error, I guess you could call it. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to educate yourself and you know a lot about nutrition and health. Right. And you exercise. I mean, I, when I had eating disorders when I was younger, I kind of had all of them. So it was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know you then. And I was in high school, and it was mm-hmm. kind of this identity crisis. I was just getting started with modeling things when I was 17 Aww. at UCLA. And I wanted to fit in, and I wanted to fit everything. And I was leaving where I lived, which was so close to UCLA. I really had a, no excuse for moving mm-hmm. out, except I wanted my freedom. I mean, I could have gone on Veroscomere very easily to be on campus, but I wanted to live. Mm-hmm on campus. And I remember realizing with an eating disorder, and it's something that as I've studied it, it really does make your life so small. But we want one because you want that look. But then it doesn't make you only small. It makes your life small. You fixate and then there's no joy. There's no joy. And there's so many different Mm -hmm. kinds of eating disorders. There's anorexia, which is like pure restricting. And then, Mm -hmm. which is actually the least common type of of anorexia. And then there's Mm -hmm. binge purge subtypes. And, mm-hmm. and in the new DSM, the new Diagnostic Statistical Manual, there's atypical anorexia. And that's more like a fear mm-hmm. of certain foods and exercising. But it's very hard to tell with some people because even with God. bulimia and with atypical anorexia, sometimes the body weight doesn't tell you. So um, it's just so damaging, and it can be very damaging to your heart. And I wanted any listeners who are thinking about this or who, who, who suspect a family member has issues with it, the place to go is... Um, National Eating Disorders Association, and that's at nationaleatingdisordersassociation.org. Um, and there's so many things listed there as signs and symptoms and things, we, where, places you can turn to for help. And you can always ask me as well, um, for my listeners, I can direct you to specialists in that area. I'm not a specialist in that. But I just recall it being such a huge focus. And... Um, and all the movies were also, you know, Flashdance, this one, that one, in the 80s. Everything was about their bodies because that's what Hollywood is. And, um, and some people are new listeners, so I sometimes tend to repeat what happened to me because I don't know if they've just tuned in for the first mm-hmm. time right. or, if they, or if they listen every week. But this is a weekly show every Tuesday. And what happened to me, what brought me to my work and brought me, led me away from the modeling and acting industry was that I was kidnapped and assaulted and thrown from a car. So I had injuries from that that kept me from being able to work out, and I began to gain weight. So, I mean, I couldn't walk for a little while. So I, was, I learned I had to swim and do different things that are harder on the skin and hair and do different things in order to get my, my body back to physical, you know, just walking and being able to be healthier. But when you're injured like that and you go through trauma like that, it is like a lobotomy. It honestly was, plus I moved out of L.A. for a while to heal, and mm-hmm. I was living with my mom. And thank God for her, and thank God for 
really the, the having to recognize who my real friends were. If they only wanted to be around me, if I looked cute on a red carpet next to them, or if I, you know, was a certain weight. And, I mean, it changes things. Head injuries can cause you to gain, you know, hitting certain parts of the brain and the brainstem area. And then there's also um, just not being able to take care of yourself and having to focus entirely on your mental wellness instead of physical. And it really was like a lobotomy just to live in a different area that wasn't Los Angeles and realize not everybody's beautiful and it's not that important. I think I had grown dangerously, and to be quite honest, dangerously shallow at one point where it really was what I was fixated on. So I'll never be grateful for that experience. I will never say that, (laughs) but I'm just not going to be that person that's like, oh, it was such a good thing that happened. No, I could have learned this lesson multitude of other ways and was very educated. So there's no reason I couldn't have learned it another way, but what happened (laughs) did happen. And it really did make me think differently. And I'd come to visit friends in LA and I would realize how obsessed they were with their looks. And this is unusual into the 30s, 40s, and early 50s. I was thinking, what, what are you going to do with that now? You know, a lot of these people haven't shifted, men and women. And it just mm-hmm. shouldn't be the main focus. I think I actually love what you said about knowing you have an amazing personality because that's something we've always had. And thank God, but I worked on that when I was young because I didn't think I was the prettiest. So mm-hmm. that, I think it can be really helpful. Now, how do you talk to your daughters? about body image. How do you, do, do Valley or Scarlett ever say anything about it or what, what's yes. that like? I haven't ever even asked you that in our personal conversations. I'm very curious. Yes, it has come up, of course, because um, my oldest daughter, you know, who is now preteen is, mm-hmm. you know, saying things like, oh, I'm, I'm fat or this or that. And I like, no, you are not fat. And everybody has a different body type and shape. And what your body type and what your weight is supposed to be is not going to be the other 20 girls in your class. Mm-hmm. Everybody's chemistry, they're, they're, everyone is built differently. Their DNA, biologically, everything is different. So your body type, you know, you're going to be tall. You're probably going to be 5'10", because right now she's, you know, she's turning 13 and she's 5'8". So Mm -hmm. she will probably be 5'10", and she has larger bones. I'm more small-boned, and I was very, very, you know, very skinny and, like, just like a stick, like a toothpick growing Mm -hmm. up, whereas she's built more, like, on her father's side. You know, they're a little, they have a little more meat on their bones, and Mm -hmm. they've got, um, they're bigger boned. And that's just the way she is. She, She cannot do anything about that. So... This is what I always tell them. You work with your body, what your body type is. Do not look at a magazine. Don't look at other kids in your class. Don't read stories about what is right. I don't even believe in looking at the graph where it says, okay, you're between the ages of 20 and, you know, 26 years old. Mm. You should have the fat percentage of, you know, 18% and you should be between 100 and, you know, 10 pounds. I don't believe that. I think those are the most ridiculous things on the planet. Oh, I'm glad you say that because those things always seem way off. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It does not come into play of someone's bone density, their, their, you know, genetics and, and all those things. It's just absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, it's or kind of like someone one size is like, fits all, and that's just not the way life is. 
Right, or somebody has more muscle because of the job they do or because maybe they're a wrestler in high school and they have to have, you know, they work out in different muscles and different things in their body opposed to someone that is on the science club. I mean, you cannot use those graphs and I think they should just be completely done away with because it's, they're, they're so off and ridiculous because there's so many things to take into account of what's healthy. And, and anymore these days, I just, I know what makes me feel healthy is by when I put on my clothes, mm-hmm. how I'm feeling, um, how I look to myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not going to be by some graph or when I go weigh myself on the scale and go, oh, whoops, I'm, you know, 125 pounds today. I'm, I'm, I'm still great because I'm 125. No, it's, it's going to be because I'm not going to look at anything external. I'm going to know my body, know myself, know what my clothes feel like, know if I have energy, how I'm feeling, if I'm starving every day, if I'm getting enough food. It's all about that. It's, a, it's about your own radar. It's, it's not about what people tell you should look like, what mm-hmm. doctors say is, is average or not average, what your zone, what zone you should be in, what the scale reads. Because I've had girlfriends who were the same height, and one gets on the scale, and she's 140, and I'm 125, and she looks freaking amazing, and, and I feel like I look amazing. So it, it, it's all about your bones and your muscles and your just everything. It's yeah, and getting some even, exercise. I mean, I see how hard you work not, out. You've worked out here at my gym, and I know how hard you work. <laughs> so it's not, a, it's not all <laughs> genetics, and it's not all um, just, okay, let's be skinny. You are, you've always been very much about being healthy and also being a pastry right. chef. You've had a company that made siren sweets and beautiful cupcakes and all of that. And I would think, my God, how did she cook that, eat that, and look like that? And part of it's genetic, but a lot of it is really hard work. And it's also yeah. that you don't, um, you don't seem to identify only as that, which is so wonderful to me and which is part of why you're one of my beautiful friends that's in my heart because I don't like to be around people that it's only about that because I am not perfect. I have no desire to be perfect and I can't be around people who want me to look perfect because that makes you feel small and I'm no different than anyone else. I can work in Mm -hmm. mental health. I can be successful in my field, but eating disorders don't really leave you. Anorexia and bulimia, much like Mm -hmm. addiction, they're always there. It's a daily thing that you think about. And um, I've never been someone who spends much time around anyone who judges me in that way. So mm-hmm. I have a good, I have a, good, a strong level of self-esteem that way. So it's, it's good that I will get away from that if that's something around me, but it is just so prevalent here in Los Angeles and people listening across the world. And hello, Seoul, Korea. I realize I have a lot of listeners in Seoul, Korea, so I want to say <laughs> hello to you guys. But it's just so interesting that across the world, there's so many different people who think that there's like a pretty prize in the mailbox if you've been an actor or a model or an actress or anything in Hollywood where, you know, they think it's champagne wishes and caviar dreams. It's what's on TV. But really, um, I did one show with H.J. Benza about the seedy underbelly of Hollywood and how some of that is really very scary. And also, um, and that's in the archives, if anyone wants to look at it, just go to my host page. But it's, um, it's really interesting how much goes on here that people aren't aware of. And I remember going on auditions where I thought, well, thank God, I'm, if I were my own kid, I would have yanked me out of there. You know, I was, I was in 
my, it was 18 or 19 or even 27, different ages, but someone would say, we're going another way. And you'd realize that there were girls there that were thinner or girls there that were taller or girls there that were just mm-hmm. a completely different type. And I was never black enough for the, for the black shows, quote unquote. And, um, <laughs> and I have some mixed heritage, but I'm a black female. You know, that's how I consider myself. That's how I identify. And, um, and I just didn't speak the way they wanted me to or move my neck the way they wanted me to, but it's how I grew up. Uh, whatever you grow up around is what you're going to emulate and what you're going to learn. And it has nothing to do with intelligence. It's just culture. Whatever someone speaks, you know, the way they speak or the way anyone talks, walks, speaks, it's about their upbringing and their culture. It's not about intelligence. It's not about beauty. And I found it to be one of the most eye-opening things to go on some of these castings and auditions. Um, shoot, for modeling, I found it much more simple because I was just print. So I wasn't runway. You did runway. So you did both. You've done all of it. And for me, it was print. So it was just fitting certain things. And when I booked things and had catalog covers and all that, it was like the sky opened up and it was amazing. And then when I didn't, I would look around and think, oh, there were too many of me in here and she's a better version of me. And I would actually say these things to my mother who would say, honey, there's only one of you, Danny. There's only one. And I thought, no, you don't understand. There's actually a whole bunch. I see them. You don't go on these castings. And she'd say, there's only one you. And so thankfully, I had a mother who is a same-sex parent, has a lot, of t- a lot to do with this. My dad's great, but this is about my mom and our moms because the same-sex parent, that's a lot of influence they have. And she always made sure that I felt that intelligence and working on the things I'm working on right now and the things that were always constantly a work in progress, those are the things to celebrate and to be proud of. And that it's nice to have looks if people perceive it that way. And that's, you know, in the eye of the beholder anyway. So, um, but there's just so much to be said for doing hard work and for really not majoring in looks. It just can't, it doesn't, doesn't pay off in the long run. We're all going, we're not Benjamin Button. We're all going to eventually age. And I don't mind. I'm turning 48 and I, I can't wait for it to be 50. So I can really call it all nonsense. <laughs> but in LA, that's still not an escape route. Like everybody is still gorgeous at 50. It's ridiculous. But I just like the idea of wisdom and of having life experience and of knowing that, you know, I'm going to fluctuate. I have thyroid disease. So it's Hashimoto's. Yeah. Go up, they're going to go down, and it can take its toll on me energetically, and it can also take a toll emotionally. And you feel like, oh, okay, I have stuff I don't fit, but I have other things I can buy that do fit, and it's just not that important anymore. As long as I feel okay, you know, feeling mm-hmm. healthy. But I love that you said that about those charts because I always thought those seemed way off. And my dad, being a doctor, I just always thought mm-hmm. those charts must be right. I'm glad that you talk to your kids about that and tell them that's not it. You know that that's really not it. Yeah. That, wow. you know, I always stress how beautiful they are, that everyone has a different body shape, different type, and that for, for you know, one of my daughters to look like the tiny girl that, you know, has her little collarbone jetting out, but she's naturally like that and skinny legs, it is not healthy for her. And she'll never have that body unless she were really sick and, you know, sadly has a disease or something. It's just not physically going to ever happen Mm -hmm. because it it would be unhealthy Mm -hmm. for her to look like that. And they need to realize that one body style is not the the given, not across the board. It's not that model that's going in the runway. We used to see, they've banned it now, but like all the the, the Paris runways where you have models that were just mm, very much like, the children in Ethiopia that are starving. Yeah, that was um, terrible. That like heroin that. cheek thing was horrible for a while. That was that, really bad. That's, 
you were a top model. If you could look like that, you were going to get the jobs. You were going to get the biggest campaigns. You're going to, you're going to walk with the biggest designers in Paris, London, you know, Milan, across the board. Mm -hmm. But thank goodness enough people, you know, voiced their voice and saw how detrimental it was to women and, and children coming up that now they've banned girls that don't have a certain percentage of body fat um, from being on the runway. And I think that was the most amazing thing that could ever happen. And then to have uh, someone like Ashley, I believe Ashley Graham, Mm -hmm. who was the first, what they considered um, BBW, uh, Mm -hmm. whatever that is, but plus size model, but uh, she's actually average, you know, Mm -hmm. size all of America um, to, to grace the cover of Sports, Sports Illustrated. I mean, yeah, I was thrilled to hear that too. Amazing. I was thrilled to see that. Yes. And, and just to show the world, you know what? There's beauty in every size, shape, and and everything. And that's exactly what I stress to my girls that, you know, you have to be healthy. That It starts with being healthy and feeling good first. Then if you want to do a little more exercise and kind of curtail yourself and work on certain things, wonderful. I, I'm all for it, and I do mm-hmm. it all the time for certain projects. I'll, I'll, I'll work out with a trainer, and I'll, I'll get more. I'll, I'll want to, like, cut body fat and maybe add a little more muscle for something, and, and, and it's fantastic. But as long as I feel good and I'm eating properly and I'm healthy, then it's okay to do that. But when, you, when, when girls start... Uh, starving themselves, purging their food, and not getting nutrients and vitamins and an essential uh, nutrition in their bodies just to try to be skinny or to drop weight or to drop um, fat percentage. Um, it's, it's, you know, that's, that's what is the danger zone is that there's so many girls that are doing it the wrong way. And, right. You know, they could just, and I think more schools are, are promoting um, this now with nutrition versus exercise and, and you know, across the board, mental, physical, wellness, you know, the whole scheme of things is, is having a healthy mind, body, and, and, and it all goes together. You know, you have to have a healthy mind. It really body. does, and it's, it's so important. It's There's really just so does. much more to life. It's so limiting. It's just so limiting. Yeah. Like I said, you know, it gives you a small, it makes your world and your life small to focus and fixate on that. You can't find joy in anything because you're thinking, how do mm-hmm. I look when I'm doing it? And I think it's just, um, it's, it's a really painful reality for a lot of people, and I just want them to know there is help for it and that mm-hmm. beauty is only skin deep, and it is something not to be too attached to because it's, it's right. fleeting. It's, you know, life moves on. And I know you work with a lot of charities. You are on the board of directors of the One Wish Foundation. I work with that foundation as well. Do a lot of philanthropic and nonprofit things, Habitat for Humanity, National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, Save the Children. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many of them. The Brent Shapiro Foundation, which I also support strongly. And Girl Scouts, all these things that are just mm-hmm. to, to strengthen the identity of our youth because... There's just not enough of it out there, really. They're not getting, I mean, there's a lot of support, but the message is constant that this, this is what you're supposed to be. This is what, you know, it's just constant. It's everywhere. And Instagram and all these things mm-hmm. don't help. You know, I have, a, I have a friend's daughter who's 16, and she's one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen. And I don't want her to focus on that, so I always tell her how smart she is. She's very mm-hmm. smart as well, and she swims. Mm-hmm. She's just an amazing swimmer. And I know that's going to be great for her in her future because she's an athlete, so she's fit. 
fit and she's healthy, but it's also all about the mindset. So it's just so interesting to watch the way that some young women and young men will view themselves because they're not in, they're, they haven't been invited to look at the larger picture that you can't major in pretty. You can't major in handsome. No, you, can't, you can't. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for you later in life. And I really think no. that's something that people do think of it as a privilege, and it is. You can be underestimated, yeah. but you can also be given, you know, certain perks because of looks. But it's just of one of those things. That, and, and, and you strike know, when the iron's hot and I'm all for it and, there's nothing like seeing a beautiful person and being inspired by that. I, I'm of all people, I will acknowledge beauty in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Wow, that mm-hmm. person is striking. That person is men, women, children. But at the same time, you know, great. Like do everything, be on every cover, use your beauty to promote, do ads, uh, whatever you want, make your money if that's your goal in life, your dream. I would be the first person to tell you to go for it. But at the end of the day, you know, just remember that it lasts for so long and you're, you know, the, the physical part, but if you're a beautiful person inside and, and you got your, in, your inside is right before you're outside, you will continue with, with after doing anything, you know, advertising-wise and modeling or acting or, or being in the public eye or the media, um, mm-hmm. you can go into so many other things when you haven't just relied on what you look like or physically what you, you look like. When you have other options in life from studying, from um, having other interests, for doing stuff in the community, for yeah. giving back, for, you know, learning new, new hobbies or just having a passion for something besides taking selfies every day. I mean, that's a whole other thing is I, I cannot believe that yeah. you, you go on Instagram and you go on Twitter and all these things and, and the, the girls that have the most selfies on their page have the most likes, you know, know, and it's, it's incredible it's, how much of a, it's disgusting. like a little mirror and it's all uh, oh. photoshopped and this and that. I mean, people Bad. are really just being misled into thinking that beauty is yes. about something that it's not. Now, we only have about a minute left, and I just wanted to close okay. with, um, yes. with uh, why don't you give us a monkey noise? I want to hear one of your noises today, because she does some amazing voiceovers. Do, do an animal for me. The monkey noise. The monkey noise. I have not brought the spider monkey out of the Please cage. Please bring for it like out. We're going to close with something ten fun. years. <laughs> okay, go for it. Come on. Okay. <laughs> So on that note, I had to control it because I'm in a public place or else I would have let that monkey rip. But I love it. I it know, was a you little would have controlled. Too. Sorry. That's the whole thing. It's that beauty is, an only, is only skin deep and there's just so much more to life. So I'm so appreciative that you came on it today. Is. I like to showcase all of your talents and, and to let people know, uh, let your full <laughs> self shine. Don't limit yourself. And until the next time, do well and just be well. Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to catch The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait for you to see what's in store next week.
thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.